And I am so glad you're here today. Uh, kind of a hot week, right? Uh, 90s and stuff. I was at a store yesterday and in the store their air conditioning wasn't working and boy, it was like a sauna in there <laughs> with 90 degree weather all week. <laughs> it was not a place you wanted to stay. We are in our third week of our series, Samuel, Prophet of Israel, and we're looking at the life of Samuel. Today we are in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, so if you have your Bibles with you um, or want to grab one near you there, just turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 3 as we prepare for today's reading of the Scripture. And today what we're going to look at is, is God speaking to me? And why this is important and what we can do, each of us, to hear from God personally. When I was in high school, before I was a follower of Jesus, uh, one night I had a dream. And I dreamed that the entire church that my family went to, including me, was in heaven. And the pastor said, someone is here that shouldn't be here. And I felt my face get hot in that dream and knew that was me, that I was not supposed to be there. Now, you can say all kinds of things about why that theologically is not right, but what God was doing was speaking to me about my need to get right with him, my need to follow Jesus Christ, and I needed to make that decision in order to go to heaven, in order to have eternal life. Well, this started a time in my life of realizing that God was calling me to follow Jesus Christ. And uh, afterwards, a few events that I went through uh, confirmed that um, call to follow Jesus for me. And I finally made that decision when I was 18 years old to follow him. And I have never regretted it. But how do we know? I mean, that was obviously God speaking to me, right? Well, how do we know if God is speaking to us or if it's just something in our imagination? So let's see what 1 Samuel 3 can show us about this. So... 1 Samuel 3, we'll read the first 14 verses. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many signs, not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes had become so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then Sam, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, Say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. 
At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Okay, let's stop there. Uh, This chapter begins by telling us that the boy, Samuel, is ministering before the Lord under the leadership of Eli. So what we know is that according to what the um, Hebrew people uh, celebrated for adult and children, that means he's less than 12 years old. He hasn't yet been recognized as an adult. Some time's gone by because we find out that at this point, Eli has gotten older and he can't see very well anymore. Uh, Samuel is part of the group of priests who are ministering in the temple. He's helping along with that under Eli's leadership. And it tells us that the word of the Lord was rare. There's no widespread revelation. There were not many visions. God didn't seem to be speaking to very many people. And it doesn't tell us in that part that uh, all except for the high priest, who was Eli there, he also is not hearing from the Lord. Eli's trouble seeing in the physical is kind of like his trouble seeing in the spiritual. So why is this true of Eli? What do you think? Why is Eli having trouble hearing from God? Yeah, he's not in the right place spiritually. There's things blocking the voice of God. He'd been tolerating the sin of his sons and participating. Yeah, because of the leadership, Eli was tolerating sin in the ministry to the Lord and ministry to the people of Israel. And this sinful behavior, he's allowing it. He's not listening to God because he used indications of this in chapter 2 that we looked at last week, right? In chapter 2, there was a prophet who came to speak to Eli, a man of God. It says, and Eli didn't hear first from God. He didn't hear God tell him that himself. He had to hear it first from the prophet because he was compromising his faith. He was living with sin. And if we are living with an area of sin in our lives, we're not going to be able to hear clearly from God either. It's like if there's a water pipe coming into your house and there gets to be stuff in it and grit and dirt and sand and stuff. Ever, ever see on like the faucet in a sink where the filter gets clogged and you have to unscrew it and rinse it out? That's kind of like it. If we've got all of our stuff clogged up spiritually, then the voice of the Lord can't get through. We can't hear it because there's all that sin in the way. We've clogged that spiritual line between us and God. So it tells us in verse 3 then that Samuel is sleeping in the house of the Lord. And it tells us it's where the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God was. Now in the uh, tabernacle, that was the most holy place. That was where God said his presence dwelled. I mean, he couldn't get any closer 
to where God was on earth than right there in that place. In Exodus 25, 22, um, in with some instruction God is giving about the, the temple, he says, grind some of it to powder. And here's the part I want you to see. Place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant law in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. So he's saying, in this place where the Ark of the Covenant is, I'm going to meet with you there. My presence is going to be there. And then the Lord calls Samuel. And this was in an audible voice. I mean, I'm sure none of us have heard an audible voice of God, but in that time, God would speak to people in an audible voice. And Samuel hears and thinks Eli's calling him. So he runs over to Eli, wherever Eli is, not there, obviously, and says, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, no, no, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Go back to sleep. So is there a precedent for God speaking to people in that most holy place by the Ark of the Covenant? Yes, there is. In Moses, uh, in Moses' life, number 789 says, when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him, from between the two cherubim above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant law. In this way, the Lord spoke to him. So Moses could hear the voice of God too. But a lot of time has gone by, and apparently when we're reading this, we don't hear of a lot of other people hearing the audible voice of God, especially not during this time of Eli and his sons ministering. And then the Lord calls him again, Samuel. And once again, he goes to Eli and he says, no, no, go back to bed. He's probably thinking, oh my gosh, why is this kid coming and asking me all this? I didn't call him. But notice, Eli doesn't think, oh, it's the Lord at the second time. The third time, God speaks to him again. And it tells us in verse 7 that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, which means he hadn't come to that place where he had made that uh, decision to follow God. He hadn't come to that age of accountability. Sometimes uh, people say, you know, before someone's 12, they, they really don't have that accountability before God. But at that point, there's a decision that we need to make when we are around 11, 12 years old to follow the Lord and uh, on our own. We can't, like, rely on the faith of others. And he hadn't reached that point where he had made that decision to follow God. He had never before heard the Lord speak to him, so he didn't know. It says the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And because the word of the Lord was rare, he hadn't seen any example of this with Eli and his family. So the third time the Lord came and called Samuel, and Samuel went to Eli again. And finally, Eli understands this is the Lord calling. And he gives them some instruction to go back and lie down. But this time, if the voice calls again to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that word listening in the Hebrew there is Shema. The Shema is the passage in Deuteronomy 6 that Jewish people uh, call the Shema. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that word there, to hear, means to listen, to hear and listen and obey. And Samuel's name actually has a root of this word in it. Shema, Shema is the, the Samuel part. Is, it's the same root there. And that's why his mother said, 
He's heard, God has heard me. Heard of God, Samuel. And so that's the same root there, Shema, in his name. And he's saying, I'm listening to you, Lord, now. Samuel is hearing for God, uh, from God for himself now. I mean, the Lord tells him what he's about to do. He tells him about the judgment of Eli and his family. What a thing to hear the first time God speaks to you. And God says that people's ears are going to quiver. In other words, they're going to be anxious. They're going to be, whoa. And God's going to carry this out from beginning to end. There's nothing God's going to leave out, this judgment that God is going to put on Eli's family. All of it will take place. And when the prophet brought the word to Eli, probably a few years earlier, Eli had had a warning. But apparently he'd done nothing, even then. He failed to restrain his sons. He failed to pull them out of ministry. He knew about the sin that they were doing in the temple, the blaspheming the Lord by how they were acting and how they were uh, doing the, the ministry. And he became complicit in that a blasphemy because he was tolerating it in his sons. This had gone on for years. The sin of the family against the Lord God became so great that now nothing could be done about it. It says that nothing can prevent the judgment, no sacrifice, no offering. God is going to mete out his judgment. There comes a point when it's too late if you're tolerating sin in an area of your life and you think, well, God's not doing anything about that. I guess it's okay to keep doing that. There's going to come a day when you're going to reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 8 says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And God gives us multiple times to repent multiple opportunities to get right with him. But listen, don't delay and think you're going to have a whole bunch more. We don't know when that time comes. If you're tolerating an area of sin in your life, you need to repent of that sin and be made clean. The reason that Samuel here heard the voice of the Lord and not Eli was because of the way his mother and father had raised him. Even those few years until they presented him at the temple to the Lord. He had been in the household of faithful parents who loved and honored God in what they did and who came every year to see Samuel and keep talking to him, you know. And I'm sure they would sit with him and have some time with him and ask him how he was doing and make sure he's being faithful to God. And they'd bring him this new coat. And they surely talked with him to make sure his heart was right before God. It says that a child's personality traits are formed in the first few years of their life. In this journal of personality in 2003, Dr. Caspi was a doctor who uh, conducted a study, a 23-year study. Okay, so many, he had this group of 1,000 children, and he followed them over the years, and they would assess them. They assessed them when they were three years old, and found out that their traits predicted the personality of that person at age 26. He also stated that the parents were active ingredients of environmental influence. When these were strong and dependable relationships, it helped move the children along positive pathways. So see how a child is raised is really important 
So Samuel was definitely with his mother and father until he was three. So the way we see him being here before God and wanting to serve God and hear from him and his heart being right before God as he determines to make that decision to follow him. This was all instilled in him when he was just a little boy. There's also a verse for us that we can count on for our lives and, the, and children that we raise. Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That's a promise from God. Well, let's read on and see what does Samuel do with this. So starting at verse 15, Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Okay, so it tells us Samuel was afraid to, to tell the vision to Eli it was a tough thing to tell him, uh, but Eli knew that God had spoken to him, and so he cha uh, challenged him to tell him everything and to hide nothing. The inner witness of the Spirit told him, this is it. Eli knew. So what do you think this would have been like for Samuel to tell him this whole deal? What do you think? Yeah, scary to give your, your boss, so to speak, uh, bad news. Nervous. Yeah. Unsure. Yeah. Yes. It would have been a very, very difficult thing. Um, Samuel told him everything, though. He told him the whole word of the Lord, and he hid nothing from Eli. And then Eli says something that's kind of interesting. He says, well, he's the Lord. Let him do what's good in his eyes. Uh, still no repentance. Just resignation. Like, oh, well, let him do it. God had called Samuel. The prophet in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 35, foretold of Samuel's ministries. Let's read that again. 1 Samuel 2, 35. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do According to what is in my heart and mind, I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. So this is the prophet, the man of God, who came to Eli to tell him, your sons are, are blaspheming God. He's telling him that God, because he has not intervened and done anything to correct the evil, that God's going to raise up a new priest in his, in his stead. And then in verse 19, it tells us that the Lord was with Samuel as he grew, that God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. It means they didn't perish, that they came to be. So can you imagine everything you say comes to be, that those words don't just, you're not just saying it and it falls to the ground and doesn't happen. 
How could this be? How could it be that none of Samuel's words would perish? What do you think? He spoke the word of the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because he was hearing from God and God continued to speak to him. He just told what God said him and he didn't add anything. Yeah, that's important, right? Because <laughs> if I'm saying something and then I add a little of my own thoughts in with it, if I'm a prophet, you know, that part probably not going to happen, right? Only what God says. Um, in Isaiah 55:11, God said, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So this is why the word that Samuel spoke, he was saying the word of God that God had put in his ear, in his heart to say, and he would say it. And God says, I'm, I'm going to accomplish what I send my word to do. So all the nation who had endured this blasphemous, sinful ministry of Eli's family, now it tells us they recognized. It says all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. They saw a difference. They saw this man, he is following God. So even as a young man, probably in his uh, later teens, you know, they're seeing that God's using him. His words from the Lord are accurate and true. You and I are not like Samuel. That's, that's true, right? <laughs> but God is still speaking today and will speak to us in a different way, but God will still speak to us. John 10, 27 and 28, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. So he's saying, you know what? God is going to speak to you. You are going to hear me speak to you. Now, it's not going to be an audible voice probably, but it will be something that we say, that was God. That was God speaking to me in there. This being true, how do we know if God is speaking to us? Well, to hear God speak, we need to, first of all, be ready to hear. You and I must do the same as Samuel. We need to be ready, okay? First thing we need to do is receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And sometimes we need to remove things that are in our life that are clogging the spiritual line between us and God. We need to repent of any sin. We need to ask God to speak to us. Uh, like I said, it probably won't be that audible voice. It'll be an impression on our hearts, or it's something that we just, you know, comes in our mind and we think, okay, that seems like God speaking to me. Or a dream or a vision, something you see in your mind uh, is a vision. Um, it could be while you're reading the Bible. It might be during a time of prayer or worship. But listen, it can even be while you're doing regular activities. You can be like doing the dishes or driving your car and all of a sudden, something will come into your mind or God will impress a thought on your heart. As you're reading the Bible, a verse just seems like God has highlighted it for you. That's God speaking to us, trying to let us know his will for us. 
like I told you, God spoke to me that time when I wasn't a follower of Christ. And, and he's continued to speak to me even after I made that decision to follow him. But especially since I was filled with the Holy Spirit many years ago. He gives me words of knowledge and visions about situations and people and speaks to me about things that I can tell this is God speaking to me. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God brings that part of your spiritual life to become more alive, to hear from him more clearly. The second thing after be ready to hear, the second thing is to ask God for understanding because sometimes you have a dream and you're like, okay, that was not a normal dream. I think that was God speaking to me. But it's like symbolic and you wonder, what did that mean? Well, pray and ask God for understanding. Write down what he has put in your heart while you were sleeping that, with that dream. Write it down and pray and ask God, what does this mean? And he will show you. You need to learn how God communicates with you through the Holy Spirit and ask yourself these questions when you sense God is speaking to you. First of all, does it line up with the Bible? <clears throat> now, God's never going to ask you to do something or show you something to do that is contrary to the Word of God. Everything should line up with what's in the Bible. It should not contradict it. Is it consistent with God's character? In other words, God probably is not going to tell you to quit your job and go live on the streets. I mean, probably not. Um, so that's not consistent with him wanting you to be destitute and without any help. You know, I mean, is it consistent with God's character? And third, is it being confirmed through messages I'm hearing at church or studying in my quiet time or in a, in a Bible study? It should be confirmed through that. And then, is it beyond me? Will it require the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it? And would it please God? When you can go through these, and obviously some things are not in the Bible, so we can't know, should I move to that house? There's not going to be a verse that says, yes, move to house 413 at, you know, whatever street. But there's a principle of, of buying that house you know, is it going to be something that's going to strap you financially? And so you won't be able to pay your bills. God doesn't want you to be in debt like that. So that's not the, probably not the house for you. But sometimes when we're praying and asking God, is this right? Is this the thing for me? He will speak to us about it. And sometimes it's through an open door. And sometimes it's through a closed door of opportunity. Revelations 3 at 8 says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And just like there's open doors that no one can shut, there are shut doors that God shuts that no one can open. And he says, I know I have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. As long as we are following God and doing what he's called us to, and we ask him for direction and guidance, ask him for understanding, he will show us the way that we should go. And then pray about what you hear. Uh, when we receive a word from God, our first response should be to pray about it, maybe over several weeks or months. It's especially important if it's a message for somebody else. Um, there was a man who had a prophetic ministry nationally, internationally known, and he said, when you get a word about someone else, the first thing you are supposed to do is pray. Not share it, but pray. And then God will show you if there is an opportunity to share it. 
but many times it is just to pray. Um, at South Oaks, we practice accountability. We never have someone come by themselves to tell other people a message from God. Uh, we ask that everyone have a pastor with them when they share. We want this accountability. Even That even applies to me. I'm not going to go to uh, you and say, I have a word from the Lord for you and have nobody else around to hear what I'm saying. There needs to be accountability. So if you feel like God has put something in your heart that, that somebody else needs to know, grab a pastor and say, would you come with me? I need to speak to them. And have that accountability before God. And then on the flip side, if someone shares a word of God with you, don't just receive it. Pray about it first. Pray and go through those five questions and say, you know, um, is, this, is this in alignment with the word of God? Is it consistent with God's character? Is it being confirmed from other messages that I'm hearing at church or studying in my quiet time? Will this require the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it beyond me? And would it please God? And then after that, um, ask yourself, is this the Spirit of God saying this to me? Do I feel this confirmation within me from the Holy Spirit telling me, yes, this is for you? And it should never be like, okay, I'm, I know this is different from Samuel, but it should never be, but he probably knew that anyway, it should never be a brand new thing. Eli, when he had that word from the man of God, he knew all that stuff already that his sons were being um, scoundrels, as the word says. <laughs> he knew that. It was not new information. Someone shouldn't come to you and give you totally new information you've never heard of before. Pray about that if they do. There should be a confirmation, an inner witness that this is actually from God for me. If the message lines up with the God test, the Holy Spirit test, then pray and ask God to help you receive all he has for you. So the question today is, are we ready to hear from God? Are you ready to hear from God? Please stand as we close. So I'd, I'd encourage you to just think a moment about how Samuel was ready to hear from the Lord and how he, he, he asked God for understanding. He, he probably prayed about what he heard. And so that's true for all of us. We need to pray about what we hear. So I just ask you to just bow your heads. And if you'd like to be sure that you're ready for God to speak to you, to, to feel God leading and guiding, sense God leading and guiding you, to be right spiritually with God, so that you can hear from God. If you want to be right spiritually with God, so you can hear from him, just raise your hand. Thank you. If you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that you have the power to live a life that honors Jesus Christ, the kind of life where the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. If you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, raise your hand, please. Thank you. Lord God, you've seen um, our hearts here. You know what we desire. Father, we, want to, we don't want to live our lives in our own power. We want to live them in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that if there's anything in our hearts that's not pleasing to you, Lord, we don't want that. We want to unclog that spiritual line between you and us. We want to have 
the opportunity to hear you speaking to us through your word, through times of prayer, through worship. Lord God, we want that. So we repent of anything, Lord, that is not pleasing to you. We lay it down at the foot of the cross and we turn away from it. We don't want to do that anymore. Lord, we want lives that honor and glorify you. Father, I pray that you would fill us up to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Lord, touch us and fill us today. If we have been filled with the Holy Spirit before, Lord God, I just ask that you renew us, Lord. Refill us, Lord. Empower us. Father, for those who have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would just fill them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Just wash off anything that isn't um, right with you, Lord. And instead, Father, fill them with your power, your strength, and your might. Lord, I pray that as we um, go through this week, Lord, as we read your word, Lord, there be an increased ability to hear from you. Father, I pray that as we uh, go about our lives, we wouldn't try to just figure it out on our own. Lord, help us to hear from you. Help us to listen to your leading and your guiding. We thank you, Lord God, for all you're going to do. We are excited as we begin this week to see what you're going to do in our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray you surround us with people who know you and love you. Lord, I pray for encouragement. Lord, I pray for um, the love of God to just be poured out from those around us. Lord God, I thank you that you love us so much. You desire for us to be in that relationship with you and to hear from you. We thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.